You know, this morning Nick said, um, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And uh, Mikey spoke about being blessed this evening. And I want to say this is a blessed people. You are a blessed people. And in praying for our time to, together, I just felt to encourage you with this scripture. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Those who trust in horses and chariots collapse and fall, but we who trust in the name of the Lord, we rise and stand upright. You know, God is he's looking for a people that won't look away from his face. We sang about his face shines brighter than the sun. A people that won't be intimidated by the battle cries like Chris was talking. A people that won't rely on our own little clever fancy footwork and clever ideas and strategies. But a steadfast people who behold the face of Christ. And if there's something I want to encourage you with is this. Keep on beholding the face of God because in that beauty is the greatest blessing. Can I just put this one here? He was vulnerable there without his sword, eh? Great, so good to be with you. I want to say well done for coming out. Okay, let me just fix this thing. There you go. So, um, yeah, I really want to say, you know what, um, just again, thinking about tonight, you know, psychologists want to tell us we are a product of our environment, but the word tells us we are a product of our choices, hey? So, um, what we looked at this morning was really the result or the, you know, sort of two different people making choices. And I, I just, you know, just wanted to firstly encourage those, you know, we all are here in a certain place in our lives because of choices, some good, some bad. And, and I think the wonderful thing about God is for many times in my life, many years, I've made bad choices. But then I started to meet Jesus and started to walk with these people. I started to make better choices. Not perfect choices, and, but better choices. And um, that leads to certain outcomes. So I want to encourage you, even tonight, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, you know, if you know my story, you know, I don't know if there's ever a chance. And I want to say, you know what, even if, if, as long as you still have breath in your lungs, tonight you can make a different choice. And I want to say even the fact that you come here tonight already is a right choice in the right direction. Hey. So, I've, I hope I've given you a lot to think about today. So, um, let's have a look a little bit more around this amazing story of um, Lot and Abraham. Again, you know, uh, I, I like to, you know, sort of exposit things and go on. I mean, and the more I look at this, the more I'm seeing we can actually do a series for a very long time, hey? But I have to now try and force it into, you know, uh, one more thing tonight. So maybe we can open our Bibles in um, Genesis chapter 19. And um, what I want to say, what is so important for us, is that 
the commentators reckon we've, we've moved on. So from this morning, what we looked at, the decision, the separation between Lot and Abraham, it took 20 years. So now what we're going to look at here is 20 years later, what has been the result of decisions and choices that's been made. So Genesis chapter 19, I almost said Luke again. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My Lord, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. And before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. Okay, if, anyway, that guy needs a serious beating, eh? Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out, pulled back Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old with blindness, so that they could not find the door. And then the story goes on about how they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and, and everything that happened from there. So, so let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you. Again, Lord, how magnificent it again is, even tonight, to just, Lord, join in with what's taking place right now in heaven. The heavenly host worshiping you, making much of you. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I want to pray again tonight. May, may you speak to us, Lord. May your word be alive. May your word bring life. May your word come and chisel away all the things that's not Jesus in our lives. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. What, what is a greater thing that we can do but to give our all our hearts, our lives to you? And would you speak to us again tonight? Help us, Lord. Help us to, to, to like Abraham, Lord, live by faith, to make choices, Lord, that will impact generations to come for the good, we pray. Through the glory of your wonderful name, we pray these things. Amen. So again, I want to just quickly highlight this story that it contrasts really two men, a man, as we said this morning, devoted to God, living for the world to come. And then a man devoted to himself, trying to live for both worlds. You see, like Lot, we said this morning, we are easily influenced by the world. And I can say, you know, these things with great conviction because I know how easily I am influenced when I hang around with the long people, oh, the wrong people, not the long people. 
You know, so easily around the bride, so easily around just a, a dinner table. How easily can we be influenced against getting negative and things around our country? And what's the state and, and all of these, these things that's happening, which makes it critical for our spiritual health. We need to stay close and walk with godly men and women to be rooted and connected, as I said this morning, in a local church. Because as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, do not be misled. So it's a leading. Bad company corrupts good character. If you take a clean stream and a dirty stream together, it will never stay clean. Hey? And what we want to look at today is our man like Lot who had influence, didn't use that influence. And so easily we can be misled in the wrong way. And then what we saw also this morning is we, Lot quickly forgot where his wealth came from. Not realizing that he was blessed because of Abraham. And likewise can we easily forget that everything we have is because of God. Is of course of the blessing of God. And, and that's why I, I've made a decision in the mornings and the evenings to start by just thanking God. Lord, thank you for my wife and my children and my life and food to eat and clothes to wear and a car to drive and all of these things. Because again, it says, enter his courts with thanksgiving. Because as I start thanking him, I start praising him. I start to consider who he is, and then I actually become a nice person. Yes? This world needs less lemon juice disciple Christians. You know, those that grew up on lemon juice, they look something like this, hey? All sad and, and, and things like that. And this world needs more grateful people. You know, if I just consider salvation, if I just consider where would I have been? Where would you have been? If it wasn't for God coming and breaking in upon our lives. And likewise do we easily forget about God. Quickly thinking by our might, mighty strength. And our, our outstretched arm. We've done all these amazing things. And what we do. And this is what we see. This theme in, in, in the story of Abraham and Lot. We can quickly make finances the sign of God's approval on my life. Or. A lack of finance is a sign of God's, what's it, disapproval. Is that the right English? Remember, I'm Afrikaans, so often. That's right. Okay, I'm trying to learn English. Eh? Lastly, we saw that Abraham chose God. Lot chose this world. Abraham chose by faith. Lot chose by sight. Abraham entrusted the outcome of his future in God's hands Whereas Lot tried to make his own future happen outside of God. And maybe I can share with, you know, um, a story around what Chris said with us tonight. I, I, we, we were deciding to build in our church, we, we decided to build a tar road. And it sort of goes in and, and out. And it's, we, we have sort of a panhandle, you know, exit. And um, we, we got the contractors, signed the contracts, and um, we were sort of now excited because there's going to be a road and everyone is happy because no more dirt and mud and all the stuff that goes with it. And now we waited. And we waited a week and two weeks and three weeks, a month, eventually six weeks. I go to one of the elders and I'm like, what is going on here? You know, I, I see a, a TLB, you know, here and I see one or two guys, but nothing is happening. He said to me, just come here. 
And so we went and we sort of, there's a wall. And as we sort of stood on the wall and I looked over the wall, that tar road has already been finished. And what I want to say is in the same, t- same way, we can easily look at the world today and we can think God is not doing anything. We can think God has given up. God has gone on holiday. Hey, he's just left us here and, and I hope it all works out. You know, you guys fix this mess. No, no, God is busy, friends. God is active, even though we don't see it. And I love the prayer. We need God to open our eyes, Lord. Abram saw something that Lot did not see. Lord, would you open our eyes? You see, one, you know, one commentator says, you know, Lot was like a great many men nowadays. He thought he could manage his own affairs. He did not want God to interfere with his business transactions. He could pray about spiritual things, but he did not think it necessary to pray about his business. You see, and so often we think we can just take God out, you know, put him in a box and just take him out when I need him and then put him back in again. God says, no, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to walk with you. God doesn't want to be this break glass in case of emergency God. No, no, he wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus saved us so we can have a relationship. So this relationship can be restored and we can walk with God again. Like Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Hey, So now let's have a look. The outcome of a man walking by faith and the man walking by sight. So Lot pursued wealth. Abram pursued God. So why did Lot choose the land so close to Sodom? Why did he get all upset? It was this desire to have more. You know, I think it was Donald Trump or someone, they, one of these very wealthy business guys, they once asked, you know, how much more? I mean, billions and billions of dollars. How much more? Just a little. Hey? And here was Lot. He had so much. When he started out with Abram, they didn't have much. Now he had so much that they had to separate because the guys were quarreling about whose stuff was whose. Just a little bit more. Hey? So Lot pursued wealth and Abram pursued God. Therefore, we see the root of the separation started with a discontentment. I wanted more. 1 Timothy, Paul writes, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So is this saying that it's wrong to be rich? Well, it said very clearly they were so rich that they had to separate. They were, the land was not big enough to sustain these things. So Abram was very wealthy and so was Lot. The point is in the world standards, we are actually all rich. I think we can so often read the, the New Testament and, and the Bible. And we, when we think rich man, we think, um, what's it? I can't even think of his name. What's it? Tesla guy. Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Is he still one of those guys? We can easily look at them and, and think, okay, Jesus is speaking to them. You know what rich means? It means the last 24 hours you've had a meal. 
the last week you've had, you know, you sort of slept in the same place. Now, okay, we haven't. <laughs> sort of. We slept in a better place, yeah. So, you know, I think so often, again, we can read the Bible for other people. Right? But when he gives this warning, he's giving the warning to us. I know in my heart how this thing is there. You know, when we used to have our business, I thought, you know, all little self-righteous me, you know, we're already giving, you know, from our personal finances and things like that. I said, let's give from our business. I mean, see how generous I am, eh? And as we started to give more and end of the month, you know, we would say, okay, this is how much is left. Let's give from the business as well, you know, into the work of God and into the local church. And we felt so good about it. I did. So good about myself, being such a wonderful, generous person. And then we started to get bigger and bigger deals. Eventually, I signed massive deals with massive corporates, and they paid huge money into our account. And suddenly, I'm like, no, wait a minute. I need to be wise now. (laughs) Yes? And I realized in that moment again how quickly, you know, we are all recovering from this thing. You will never be free from this thing. That traitor is sitting right here. He's behind this guy. He wants to get out at every moment. And, and the way we do this, we, the way we keep him in check is through open hands. It's through generosity. That's the way we keep him in. You see, what God against, is against is not money, but a desire to get rich. What, what does it mean? To pursue wealth instead of pursuing God. Does Jesus not say, you know, look at the birds. Look, you know, it's like, seek first me. Seek first my kingdom. And all these things, God will give us what we need and even beyond it. Because why? Because you cannot serve two masters. Why does Jesus say so much about it? And I have seen it in my own life. And and as I said this morning, many people, the more they make, the less they give. How is that possible? So it doesn't say money is evil. I mean, just consider Sunday afternoon. Maybe you've had a nice lunch and you're walking by the cupboard or you know, past your kitchen table and there's a 50 rand note lying there and suddenly that thing jumps on you and it starts to throttle you. Hey? And you, I mean, but for the grace of God, you almost died because that money thing attacked you. Okay? No, money is neutral. With money, I can say you advance the purposes of God. With money, I can feel an addiction. With money, I can say, send this person to the nations. Or with money, I can say, you know what, I'm going to, you know, get involved in some silly things. You see, what you use it for, again, we're talking about decisions that leads to outcomes. It will either bring glory to God or it will bring us to ruin and destruction. How many families have been destroyed, as I said this morning, this pursuit after wealth, That job, that promotion, and all of those things, eventually you don't have time for your family anymore. You don't have time to be involved in a local church. How many businesses have broken the law to keep shareholders happy? Have you ever heard of guys called Enron and WorldCom and all these things? How did they get there? Because it was one step, one decision after another, eventually the great collapse. How many people in influential positions we hear about now their hands have been in the till. Hey? Why? They get big salaries. 
big commissions, whatever, you know, why? Because it's this desire, like Lot, for a little more. How many countries, economies are suffering because of a misuse of money? I mean, hypothetically speaking, our country. And our, I mean, just imagine. So can I say this again? Money will not bring lasting contentment. Only God can do this. And listen, you know, what what Paul writes again in Timothy, he says, you know, there's actually a very strong link between godliness and contentment. He says, but godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with this. I often tease our people about they very, you know, what's that thing called the trousseau? Is that it's sort of this big thing that's full of plates and sauces and expensive cutlery and that great-great-grandmother brought on the Osseval over the Drakensberg barefoot, you know, and all of those things. And all that beautiful cutlery and things is all put into this cupboard. And even when you sit there, you can't look at the cupboard from the lasers protecting it, you know. I mean, we're all drinking from chipped cups and sauces. And then in grandma's will, we have to take that whole cupboard and put it with her in a grave. You see, can I tell you, you're going to wake up in heaven, hopefully, if you knew Jesus, and baggage control has taken your stuff. It's gone. Because naked we come, naked we leave. I tell you, that is the greatest theology we can ever learn. I wish my kids came with American Express black credit card. Or just a piece of gold or something to help towards student fees. eh? But it's again because God says we are stewards. We are only stewards. Everything is His. So the question is, How are you stewarding what is entrusted to you? Not how much do you have. How are you stewarding what he has entrusted to you? Can I say this? If God wants you to have more, he will give it. If he doesn't, he will withhold it. You know, it's like I don't give a two-year-old child. Where's Samuel? How old is Samuel now? Okay, he's a little, almost a year. Okay, we don't give him a big knife like this. Go, Samuel, play, man. Hey, why? (laughs) Okay, let's use another example, you know. (laughs) So why is that? You don't give a two-year-old just the key, cars to the key. Go, go ride that thing. If you do, keys to the car. We don't do that. Why? Because they're not mature enough. And could it be that you, you're crying out and you want God to give more and you're trying to grab more, but God says, now you first need to learn to be a steward in the little things. You see, God in the Word, we see God, see, money is a little thing. It's just, you know, we make it everything. It's the little thing. It actually is the hurdle or the doorway, Jesus says, to true riches. True th- things that will outlast these things. It's a test of stewardship. And can I say, if you don't make it, if you're not faithful with a few, a few thousand rand, you will not be faithful with millions of rands. Guaranteed. I remember 
my first sort of salary I earned was a thousand rand. And then they taught, someone taught me about tithing and these things. And I started to do it. And I, with that thousand rand, I could do so much. Why? There's, there's just something about honoring God in the little. And so he entrusts more and he entrusts more. But can I say, make sure your heart is open. Make sure your hands are open for these things. Yes, somehow we think that money is the solution to all our problems. If only I had that house by the sea. If only I had this and that. So if that is true, let's just consider some of the richest people in the world today. Movie stars, business people. How many of them are the most miserable people, the most broken people in the world? Here's Solomon. Solomon, Ecclesiastes. He's basically sitting here with his son and they're looking back at their life. They say, you know, we thought it's rich, riches or houses. You think if I have that house. He had so many houses they had to say in which house is he? Which palace? They thought, you think it's that car. He had so many chariots, so many things. That was, they reckon, his downfall. You think it's if I had that wife or that spouse or that other woman. Like the one guy says, two women is too much. One is, it's, that's why God says one woman. Hey? Then I'll be happy. Here's Solomon with his 700, what's it, wives and 300 concubines. And so he continues, he says to his son, at the end he says, it was a chasing of the wind. Hey? Chasing of the wind. Because again, friend, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowing God, walking with him is far more important than all of these other things. So, who was the wiser person? Jesus says, wisdom is proven right by her actions. You see, in the world's eyes, in the short run, it seemed that Lot made the better choice. He was more successful living in this secure estate, secure city called Sodom, when his uncle Abraham was living in tents without any protection in the field. The world would have called Lot a wise and a long-sighted man. And he quickly rose in popularity and influence in Sodom. So Lot, when you look at him, you know, people looked, looked at him and would say, hey, well done, you know, you're really moving up, you're advancing well in life. And remember, like we said this morning, how did he end up there? Now he just started pitching his tent towards this place. Again, I say, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. You rather want to have little but what God gives you than have much that comes with lots of sorrow. There was once this movie I watched and I would never ever recommend movies anymore. Because I sometimes watch them later, I'm like, how can I tell someone to go and watch that thing? Okay, so anyway, this movie was just, I, I thought it was very funny. Because this guy, he, he sort of makes this deal with the devil. And I mean, it's not, again, not good theology and anything like that. But he, he, he sort of makes this deal. He says he wants to be rich. He wants to be powerful. He wants to have women that love him. He wakes up and he's a drug dealer. And he's running for his life, you know. So the whole story. So everything this guy wants, he gets it. But it is just a disaster. And I think in the same way, we can so try and make deals and do things and, and pursue things, that's a disaster. Instead of saying, no, the blessing of the Lord adds no sorrow. Be content, be faithful, 
you know, there's Abraham in his tent, worshiping God with his family, probably sitting at night, the stars, oh, there's the lights of Sodom, teaching his children the ways of God. But who, in whose faith are we now, you know, uh, whose lineage of faith are we now in? The faith of Abraham, not the faith of Lot. So Abraham would rather live in a tent with God than in luxury without God. So let's get, so here Lot gets his first warning, big warning. We see in chapter 14 that Sodom was attacked by some kings and Lot, his family, all his possessions, all the things he has accumulated is taken. Who came to his rescue? His weird old uncle in the tent. Yes? The tent dwelling Abraham. And why is it that wise people always have to go and bail out foolish people? Why is it that wise women often marry foolish men? Or vice versa? Why is it? Did Lot wake up and realize he's not in a good place? Did he realize, okay, well, you know, I almost lost everything if it wasn't for Abraham. No, forget it. He's too clever for that. What does he do? He just goes back to Sodom again. He went straight back into the very place he was just captured from with his wife and his belongings and everything else. How often do people keep going back to the very things that destroy them? The destructive habit, the destructive relationship, the destructive environment. As a pastor, it breaks your heart. How people can just keep going back to the same things. Again, I say, look, this is a call for us. Make better decisions. Make wise decisions. Get wise counsel. I mean, if you just sat with Abraham and say, you know, Abraham, you know, what do you think I should do now? I think Abraham would have probably, number one on the list would be, don't go back into Sodom. But anyway, so Lot probably went back more determined. Well, I lost everything. Now I have to double up. Now I have to make up what I've lost. Now probably with more popularity because he's now related to the very man who, who you know, sort of captured and brought them back to the city and, and restored everything to everyone's stuff that was taken. Probably honored like a war hero, maybe even becoming a, a mayor now be, or some political figure because we see, as we read just now in Genesis 19, he was sitting at the gate of the city. Hasn't learned his lesson. Warned. There was a big warning, Lot. Big warning. He, he keeps going back there. This is where the judges and the elders and the people with high position would sit. They, they would sit at the gate. Again, here's a guy. He chooses on the line of Canaan. On the promised land, he chooses, no, I'm going to go there. And then he goes there, he pitches his tent towards this place. He knows it's bad. And eventually he ends up there. Then all his stuff is taken. You know, it's a disaster. What does he do? He goes back there again. He gets on it and he sits in front, you know, of the very city. The man who wanted to exploit the city for his benefit to get rich materially was now the man being exploited and becoming poor spiritually. The man who pitched his tent outside was now the man living inside the Sodom. Isn't this so true? Isn't this so true of many lives? We start out saying that there are certain things we would never do. 
some places we would never go. Some things we would never look at. Some people you would never associate with. And over time you become the very thing or the very person you stood against. What happened? You see, if we are not conquering, if we are not taking ground with God, we will start being conquered by other things. eh? So Lot had no influence on the people of Sodom. He was what we would call a nice guy. Let me read to you here. Lot was one of those men who had not enough religion, as the world says, to make him unpopular. He was a man of immense influence. That is what they would have told you down in Sodom. There was not a man in the whole city who had more influence than Lot. Remember, he is related to Abraham, the guy who saved them, and all of these things. The world thought that Abraham had made a great mistake and he stayed out there on the plains with his tent and his altar. And if he came to Sodom, when Lot did, he too might have had a high position. Lot is the successful man, they would say, but look, though everything was moving on well, when he had been there 20 years, this wise man, this influential man had not won a single convert. What do we learn from that? Jesus tells the parable of the shrewd manager. And he says, you know what? We need to use our influence and position to secure a better future for ourselves. He actually commends the shrewd manager. And I wonder sometimes if we use our influence and position for the things of God. You see, there is something fundamentally wrong with someone who has no impact or influence where they are. You know, there are no secret agents in His Majesty's service. Don't know if you know. You know, some people are so secret, double agent, triple agent, you know, it's like, I think even God is wondering, on whose side is this person now? You thought they were on this side, but now they're on that, you know, all those type of things. So, especially over time, He says, the question I have to ask you tonight is, does your family know you love Jesus? Your co-workers, your boss, your friends, do they know that you love God? Rightly has it been said that he who stands for nothing will fall for everything. God wants us to be salt and light, not nice guys, not nice people. He has placed you where you are to be salt and light, not to Bible bash, eh? but through your life to show what does a life look like that's devoted to God. What does someone look like with integrity doing this job? If Jesus had this job, what does it look like? This is what he has called us to in our workplace. You know, so often we forget our workplaces is, if God is our source, your workplace is your sphere of influence. That's your harvest field. We can so often say, I want to be in full-time ministry. You are in full-time ministry. Every morning when you leave your house, you know, like Jonah, you know, Jonah you know, version 2 Jonah, not Jonah 1. There was something fishy about that guy. But Jonah 2, you are still called to go to the same place. Every morning we are sent out like missionaries into the city to go and make God's love known, to make people know who he is. So the sun was about to set on Sodom for the last time and as these angels come and and, and now they have to blind all these men and all these guys doing all these silly things 
What a sad and a pitiful ending to the great lot. Abraham pursued God and got everything. Lot pursued just a little more and he ended up with nothing. How instant is the man who was honored, as we read, the very man who was honored in the city is now about to be killed by the very people who honored him in that city. Isn't this the same with Jesus? One moment they want to crown him as king and the next moment they want to throw him off a cliff. Lot went from zero to zero. Very quickly, eh? And rightly are we warned of great sorrow for pursuing things instead of pursuing God. The world is just now cheering on many worldly professors and talking about them being men of great position of influence. But the world turns like this. Think about Oscar Pistorius. I remember a week before this thing came out, big in the newspaper, Oscar Pistorius, this amazing story. Hansi Cronier, and maybe some of you guys don't even know who I'm talking about now. Like my kids say, what was it like in the old days? I say, I don't know, I wasn't there. Michael Jackson, even right now, we, we hear things. Ravi Zacharias. We hear all these things. The, the very people that people loved and idolized, suddenly they turn around. And now we demonize them and, and all of these things. So think about your job. Think about your career. The moment the downturn comes, the moment someone better comes along, or a new boss arrives, suddenly employee of the month, salesman of the year, he sits without a job. That business you sold your soul for, that company you pledge your allegiance and loyalty to, those long hours you put in neglecting your friends, your marriage, your relationship with God, doesn't count much in the end, does it? I remember I was in this, corp, this big company and they, they had to retrench people. I could not believe how they turned on people. And again, if you're an employer, I'm saying you know what, we need to work out these things in, in a godly way with people. I know sometimes the economy, and even the last few years, this is, this, is, this is not an easy thing to do this. But the point I'm trying to make is, be careful that you don't sell your soul to things and people that will just turn like this on you, as we see here. So the lesson screams out to us, Lot and Abraham. Our decisions, every day we make decisions. God says every day, I put before you life and death. Choose life. I want you to choose life. I, I want you to come on a journey with me. I want you to get to know me. I want you to walk with me and come on this great adventure. I want to work in and through you. Pursue God and get everything. Like Ephesians says, even more than we can ask, think, or imagine, according to his great power working in us, or pursue the world like Lot, and you'll end up with nothing. So which one will you be? Amen. Wow, that's a great word. Can we, can we stand together? Um, just sitting here, and um, <clears throat> while George was preaching... I was reminded of the scripture and it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, 
It penetrates even to dividing the spirits, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom he must give an account. And it's amazing. When the word of God comes, it's like it mirrors us. And even while I was sitting there, I thought, oh, Lord, there's, there's things in me where I've been influenced and I've been shaped by culture around me rather than by your word. And what happens when the word comes is it straightens out those crooked rows and those crooked ways in our hearts. And, and I think it's important that we respond to that. I don't think we want to just hear the word of God and, and it just falls off of the, 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 into the hard path and it gets eaten up by the enemy. But there's a moment where we can respond to God and we can actually yesterday we had a great time with men where we actually just took a moment to reflect on our lives and actually, God, are we living in line with your word, who you are, what you say? Are we, are we being you in our workplaces? And maybe we can just take a moment just to respond to God. And I want to pray. And you can even, you know your heart. And God knows your heart. And, and it's a moment for us to just come right before him. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, which you give to us. Thank you that you use your word to straighten us out, that you don't leave us as orphans, Lord, but like a father, you, you, you teach us your ways and you show us your paths. And, and tonight, even, even as George has spoken about choices, there's an opportunity for us to make good choices where we choose to, to follow you, to keep our eyes on the things of eternity, that we don't choose the, the short goal or the short-term um, wants or desires, God. And I pray for us as, a, as the body of Christ, as your your, your precious bride, Lord. I pray that you would empower us to make good choices. And there might be people here tonight who, who actually need to make changes, need to go home, and, and you might need to speak to your wife or your, your husband and say, actually, I've made a choice tonight. Made a choice to, to, to choose eternity rather than the short-term gain. Lord, I ask that, that you would do something significant in our hearts tonight, Lord. I pray that you even, there might be people here who, who, who don't even, haven't even started the journey haven't even put their faith in Jesus. And it's not a complicated thing. Tonight you can make a choice to follow Jesus, where before you were following the ways of the world, tonight you can say, Lord, I choose to put my faith in you. I choose to follow you. I choose to turn away from the ways of the world. And I choose to walk in your ways. I choose to put my trust and my, my faith in you, Jesus, and your work on the cross. And there's a beautiful inheritance for you to walk into. And I encourage you to do that this evening. But Lord, for us as your church, we say, have your way in us, Lord. Continue to divide the flesh and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, so that, you, that we would be able to live wholeheartedly before you, Lord. Long to be a people pure in heart, who, who fully desire your will and your ways, and we can truly say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Would you, Holy Spirit, continue to, to work this word into our heart? Even this week as we, as we at work, would you continue to, to open up these, these nuggets that have been sown into our hearts, these seeds, Lord, would they begin to bear fruit in our hearts and in our lives, Lord? We don't want this word just to, to fall flat or to be eaten up, but would you let it produce 30, 60, and 100-fold? We ask you in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to hand over to